This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Lead Singer Syndrome Podcast. I am your host, Shane Told, and today this is a bit different, um, and I mean that in the best way possible. Uh, we're going to get a little political. We're going to talk about some subjects that have not been broached in the first four episodes. And really, if you know the guest, you probably aren't going to be that surprised. Uh, the guest this week is Buddy Nielsen of Census Fail, and in case you've been living under a rock uh, for the past year, like my friend, who we'll get into later, uh, Buddy went on the 100 Words or Less podcast, which, by the way, is a great podcast. Uh, you should definitely check it out, 100wordspodcast.com. Buddy went on the show, and he basically came out about his sexuality, identifying as queer. He talked about 10 years of being an alcoholic. He talked about being a sex addict. And really, he put himself fully out there. Um, and, and I didn't want to repeat the show that Ray did on his podcast. Uh, for me, I was more wanting to follow up with him a year later, how he's doing, um, how it all was, and if he has any regrets about the past year. Uh, right now, Census Fail and Silverstein are on tour together uh, across America. We're winding down. Right now, uh, as I record this, we're in New Jersey. It's going to be an awesome show at the legendary Starland Ballroom tonight. Uh, and there's still a few more shows we got a big show in Philadelphia at Electric Factory, if you're in the area for that one. Worcester at the Palladium. A couple shows in Ohio, so please check it out. Um, you can get all the tickets at soundrink.com, which has been a um, sponsor of the show for the past four weeks. So please uh, come out and see me and Buddy performing with our bands. So the holiday season is here, and I want to remind you guys that kingsroadmerch.com uh, they have a great sale right now on a whole bunch of bands, but the band I want to specifically talk about is The Descendants, who, if you listened last week, they're one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, they're pretty much solely responsible for pop punk. I mean, without The Descendants, there would be no Blink-182, probably no Green Day. Um, so very, very uh, important band in punk rock, and they're having an awesome holiday sale. The website is Kings Road Merch. 
com slash D E S C. And, uh, they've got two awesome holiday sweaters up there. You know, the, the ugly Christmas sweaters everyone's wearing. Uh, so check those out. If you order them both, you get 10% off your entire order. Uh, they've got a new, uh, relatively new, um, documentary called filmage, which is one of the best punk rock documentaries I think ever made. Uh, they got a new one, I think with Blu-ray and bonus content, so check that all out over at Kings Road Merch, kingsroadmerch.com slash D-E-S-C. So all the feedback for the podcast so far has been so overwhelmingly positive. And I just want to say thank you again so much for listening. A lot of people have been asking, well, how can I contribute? How can I help you out? Uh, you know, uh, do you guys have a PayPal link or something? And uh, right now we're working on some really cool stuff we want to do for the fans of the show. Um, but for now... It's real simple. Um, I've set up an Amazon.com referral link. And basically all that means is if you're going to do any Christmas shopping, holiday shopping at all on Amazon, uh, just go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon, and that will take you right to the Amazon homepage. You can log in, and then all the purchases that you make, actually 4% of the gross uh, goes to the show. So it's a really, really great way uh, basically for it not to cost you anything at all, but you could really actually support um, the show quite a lot. So please check that out. It's real simple. Just go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon for all your Amazon holiday shopping needs. So let's jump into the interview with Buddy. Um, a few clarifications. I don't hate Texas. I don't think everybody is pro-gun or anti-abortion or hates gay people. I don't think it's like that at all. Um, I'm making somewhat poor generalizations and uh, we're having a conversation, um, you know, and Buddy is very honest and I love that about him. Um, but I don't want anyone to be offended or think, you know, we're just having an open conversation. So please, again, though, if you, uh, if you want to let me know and, and give me some feedback, uh, email me, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com or call the hate line, which is 657-666-HATE. And at times the conversation got a little bit weird. But regardless, here it is, my conversation with Buddy Nielsen of Census Fail as we sat down on tour in Dallas, Texas. I used to want to die, but now I believe not in a distant God. There's a love back in me. I'd rather be awake You're not a... Montreal fan. Oh right? fuck no, I'm not a Montreal <laughs> fan. Okay. Yeah, and we're in our bus and uh there's how would you describe that? It's like almost like a display case. I really. know, it's weird. And uh Palmark put up the Montreal Canadiens uh jersey and it's every time I come back here I'm yeah. like this is the worst. You're a hockey fan, right? The Rangers just lost their last three games, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, I'm, Rangers I, are good. Dan lost a, a game in like I don't know. It might have been seven or eight games, so it's bound to happen. You had to go on a little bit of a skid. Yeah, well, my Maple Leafs are uh, yeah, having, a, having a time. I mean, I'm I've been a diehard my whole life, and this I'm, is the first year really where I'm like, I'm not going to watch the games. No, and if I do watch them, I hope they lose every game. I'm trying. They're so they're eight and twelve. The Rangers are still in first place. I mean, they're seventeen and six with three overtime losses. They have thirty-seven points. It's it's fine. It's just so. How come you're a Rangers fan and not a Devils fan? Growing up in Jersey. <sighs> I, you know, I was originally pushed to be a Devils fan. Uh-huh. I was actually at 
when they won in 94 I was at, or 95 uh 94 was the Rangers I believe 95 when they won in so, 95 yeah, 94 was the 94 Rangers. was the famous series between the Rangers and Devils which okay. was like super super good right uh and then the Rangers went on to win the cup against Vancouver and that's like you're probably what like 12 years old or something back then that's yeah. like for me when I was 12 sports was like all like yeah no no it was and and I I was like kind of pushed into being a Devils fan and I, I didn't really like it was kind of like well you're gonna like the Devils we're gonna take you to the Devils games and I was like okay cool like and then you know but then as I got older I was kind of like well but I don't like I'm a Yankees fan I'm a Packers fan and I like teams that have like a lore yeah and did, liking the Devils just felt really kind of like uh I don't know. There was I get it. there was no lore to it. There was no history. Like yes, there was a decent history, but it just it didn't have the same the the arena in which they played didn't really have a feeling. And all the sport teams I like, I like the Packers, the Yankees, and the Rangers. I mean, those you know they're like really historic teams. They are. Oh yeah. And uh, I don't know. I just I just you know I just you have a basketball team. I don't. I don't. Not I used to love guy. basketball. I used to like the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks was yeah. You know, I, I, and then I, I liked mid-90s basketball to late-90s, and I just, I don't know, I, I like just stop appreciating the game. Yeah, I kind of know what you mean. There was like a certain era, that era where it was like Jordan and Bird and Magic yeah. Johnson, like those guys being such like, I don't know, you felt like you knew them in a way. Maybe it's just because I was a kid, but you, they had this this persona where you felt like, they were competitive, but they were like good guys, and they oh, like yeah, now yeah. it's like some of these guys they're almost like I don't know. It's like they're they're moving teams and they're chasing the money. Yeah, I just don't like, like the way that the well, no. And recently the game's gotten better, but there was like for the last you know, I don't know fifteen years has kind of been like the way the game has been played has been very one dimensional, and it's kind mm-hmm. of like it's kind of like boring. I think at times. Yeah, but recently, I mean, I watched the finals last season. I paid attention last season, and it was super fun. Yeah, and Maybe it's been hard to be a Knicks fan. You know, I mean, not that I'm. I wouldn't even call myself a fan anymore. But it's been. It's, it was increasingly not fun once like Allen Houston left. Yeah, it, it's just been increasingly. It's well, sort of like not. It's not even been. It's like, of course, sort of why I even pay attention. Yeah, honestly, it's it's just been one kind of. Bad move after another, and right. I mean, their owners, Isaiah same owner Thomas of the Rangers, was a real yeah. blunder. Yeah. And he actually was involved with the Raptors when they started. Oh yeah, he was the first president of the team. And I never liked Isaiah no. Thomas, like uh, you know, the bad boyer and all that. I yeah. never liked it. But I, I'm a huge Raptors fan. I'm wearing a Raptors hat at the yeah. moment. But before they existed, because they started in '95, I was a huge Knicks fan. Yeah, like that's Patrick when they Ewing, were good. That's when uh, they were good. Uh, John Starks was John like Starks my guy. Is great. The yeah. dunk like that. Yeah, oh yeah. man. So uh, so I, I I still like have a have a soft spot for the Knicks. But. Yeah, I mean if they you know it was just super fun when um, Lynn was playing. That was like I paid, oh yeah, I, Lynn I, Sanity. I, I paid attention during then because uh-huh. it was it was fun. And then it's just been like I don't know. It's just it's not even it's not it's not fun to care. That was it's great. still super expensive. To, it's like hard to be a Knicks fan because it's it's not accessible. Like I mean Rangers. Like we're I'm trying to go to a Rangers game in December, like December 22nd, and I can't find a ticket for less than 150 dollars. Yeah, and that's the way the Knicks are. But the Knicks are terrible. Right, you know, and at least you're, at least you know you're Madison Square Garden. Too. Yeah, that's like that. That people will just want to be in that. building. I know, which is weird. Cause like tourists come to New York, yeah, they're I like, know. I just want to go. I don't even care about sports. I want to be in that. Yeah, arena. Yeah, you yeah. Know? It, it's hard, but at least you know you're going to see like a good team play. When you're going to see the Knicks, you're you're seeing you know not you're just seeing something that's 
subpar. So you, but you're still having to pay that price. Yep, that's right. Well, so, I mean, hockey in Toronto is. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump into it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're in Texas. Uh huh. It's pretty nice outside. Yeah, it's very nice. Do you like Texas? Uh, I mean, no, I don't. I don't really like Texas. <laughs> I don't. I don't really have a. Uh, I I don't. I like your. I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, I look back at memories of Texas, and there are some great memories. Don't get me wrong, and some amazing shows, mm, mm-hmm. and some great people I've met. But it's like Texas kind of embodies a lot of things. I'm not American, but yeah. a lot of things about America that I don't like are well, very, Texas. I don't even is count. Like, Texas isn't America. <laughs> okay. It's its own a thing. A lot of people would have a problem with you making that statement. Yeah, it's its own thing. Technically, Texas is... Well, first of all, Texas is really Mexico that we stole. If you want to be <laughs> yes. real about it, Texaco, Texaco, what we'll call it, no. <laughs> uh, it's actually Mexico, but we stole it. But there's this like fervent nature of like being super American, which I think almost might even date back to the idea that it's not technically America and that... There's this need to be super American here because it's really not originally even part of the... No, well, first of all, no, none of this is really America anyways, but Texas was acquired as an idea which was super just, like, land-grabby. They mm-hmm. wanted to grab yeah. the land in order to sort of bridge their way out to California, and they created this war, the Mexican-American War, that was super unpopular at the time. Nobody wanted to do it. Um, none of American citizens were like, I don't, we, we don't, we're not concerned. We don't want to go that way. We're, we're here. Yeah. It'd be like us trying to acquire Yukon, you know, something just like, something mm-hmm. to be like, I, why do we, what, what's the point? Like, let, right. like, leave, let Canada have it. We don't need it. <laughs> we don't, it, you know, it's fine. And, and th- there was super unpopular war. And it really was kind of like a forgotten war, the Mexican American yeah, war. I, I, like, I mean, again, I said it, I'll say it again, but I'm not American. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, that it's war. a weird That's war. That's something you don't hear much about in the, in history, like people, you know, I know about like the Alamo and all that stuff. I've been there, and, yeah, but I don't really know much else about that. Oh, it was not an easy war either. It was, from what I remember learning about it, it was the Mexican fought back very hard, and mm-hmm. it was in territory they wanted to lose, and it was a very unpopular war. And then Texas kind of became this. All right, we got Texas, <laughs> <laughs> you know? and here we are today in Dallas. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, no, but it is like you know a lot of like what you know you stand for, uh, like politically, you know, your music and socially is sort of not what people believe here as a whole. I think it. I think it's weird though. I think there's two Texas. I think there's there's the Latino Hispanic Texas, and then there's the non. Because when you were like or when you're every spend, I spent a lot of I spent a lot of time here randomly like i became friends with a couple people that lived here and i spent a lot of time here and they were mexican and it's a different it's a it's it's kind of like southern california where Mm -hmm. in the way the culture is very geared around the what it used to be which is mexico and there's two i think there's two sides to it there's the there's what you the, the political sort of what gets put out there and then there's the real sort of side to it right and and that's sort of it's like in constant flux as to and one day there will be more mixed and mexican people oh sure of of then then well, like well hopefully it's we're pushing in that direction yeah, yeah, yeah i mean i think we are um but you have i mean obviously 
there was the most famous Texan of, of all time, which is George W. Bush. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, if he, he might. You know, yeah, and um, the things that he you know stood for and did, and and I'm sure there'll be people like listening to this that fucking love that guy. Oh, and yeah. I didn't love that guy, no. and I know you didn't. And I'm just trying. I'm just trying to talk about like how we're here. You know, y- y- everything that you've gone through in the last year. Yeah, and everything that you want to talk about. I f- do you ever feel like when you're in Texas, it's like you have to make a point to really make more of a statement because it's more important? I, I would say, I would say, I would say, you are in California or yeah. New York or whatever. I would say I have to be more careful here because people are generally a little bit more fervent about their beliefs, whether it's their like what they believe in gun control or abortion. I mean, the thing is, Texas has pretty much gotten rid of most of Planned Parenthood's. So women have to drive like hundreds of miles. I don't know the exact because I haven't. I'm not well versed in it, but I do know that the, the the size of Texas and what you would need to service the needs of people that would want to use Planned Parenthood is so minimal that yeah. it's gotten to the point where you can't get free women's health care in Texas. So you have you have issues like that, and yeah, I mean it's it's basically like a grounds other than maybe the Deep South. It's probably yeah. the one place that I go that you really are like, yeah, I mean, I kind of get a little confused about whether how hard I should be um, with like talking about things because it's like a balance between, is anyone going to listen if I push too hard? You know, what's the balance? How can I say something that maybe might make someone think? Whereas like maybe in New Jersey or or in California, I'll I'll maybe say something in a a way that's a little bit more... um, Aggressive or without tact, because yeah. I know more people will agree with me. But yeah. in Texas, I'm kind of like, oh well, I know half the crowd. If I say something about guns tonight, it's is gonna is gonna say something is going to have a visceral reaction to me making a comment about gun control in the wake of like what's happened in the yeah. past week since we've been right. on tour. For two sure. weeks since we've been on tour, exactly. Been, in the two weeks oh. we've been on tour, there've there've been, I think. Three or four sh- mass shootings in the U.S. and then what happened in Paris. So it's kind of it's something you really can't avoid that uh, people don't want to have the conversation about gun control because yeah. owning a gun is is part and parcel to being American. Um, right, I, I know, and that that whole thing it, it really just kind of flies over my head to be honest with I you. I think it well, it's just it's um, it's because um, it's in the Constitution, so it's become this this like lore of but yeah. It's 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 this like ingrained psyche of of the American isolationist living on the frontier, defending their home front from Native Americans and killing for their. It's 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 the lore of being American. It's like it's it's this thing that people feel is their birthright as American, yeah. and to try to take that away from them, it instills in them a, a real sense of fear. Right, but then. By that ideology, then why would you have nine one one, and why would you have police and fire and you know what I mean? Then just hey, then let's all get guns. Like why don't you know? Would people prefer that? Because I don't think they would. No, they. Well, I mean, but when someone says, "Hey, let's take your gun away," people have a very serious fucking problem with it. So it's yeah. I'm well. A lot of our most of there's two schools of thought in the way which people react to these things, and one is to get rid of guns, and the other is to arm everybody because there are lots of people that I've talked to that would like to arm everybody and that if you have more people with guns, there'll be less chance that someone walks in and kills a bunch of people because there'll be people responding to kill that person immediately. Except for the fact that all those other scenarios where there isn't one person walking and trying to kill somebody and everyone has a gun on them, 
and people get emotional, you know, things yeah. happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, when people have yeah. access to a gun and people snap, I'm not take, saying snap as in they plan out a, a attack, but I mean people snap as in like momentarily, this guy cut me off, I have a gun. I, you know, I'm, there's going to be a lot more shootings if that happens. There's no way you could say there isn't going to be. Yeah, and I mean, that's, I, what, I agree. that's where I come from. Well, I, no, no, I mean, yeah. I agree. I mean, I, I think that there, I think gun regulation, I mean, I would be okay if they got rid of all guns. But Well, like in the UK, it's like that. Yeah. I would be okay if they got rid of all guns, but they they won't, and that's so. It's almost like a yeah. fight. It's it's a it's a useless fight to have, to waste your energy and breath on campaigning to get rid of guns, mm-hmm. when it's like a multifold thing that needs to happen. Where it, it, our country is so divided, America is so divided, and people have been so isolated into small sort of non-descriptive communities that don't really feel attached to the rest of the society as a whole. Yeah. It makes it super easy to almost like lash out. Sure. Not not super easy, but it, when when you don't feel connected to the rest of society, yeah. your ability to have some sympathy or empathy for harming individuals severely decreases when you look at I mean as another group of people as other. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing, though. It's so it's so crazy how we can be in California a couple of days ago, and now we're here, the same country, the same you know, the same society, basically. But it can be so, you know, radically different. And mm-hmm. yeah, it is interesting. You say that thing about how oh, you know, I have to be careful how hard I push when I'm trying to make a point because if I go too far, people stop listening. Yeah, it's the same way as like like I'm not a Christian religious person at all. If somebody throws a little tid- tidbit about God at me. I might be like, oh, that's. In- I never thought about that before. But then when they go deeper and deeper and deeper and it starts getting like a little intense and a little crazy, then I just, my ears close up, you know? Mm-hmm. So is that how you feel about it when you're on stage and you're trying to say, hey, this is important. Think about this. But I don't want to say, you know, fuck your gun. Like I, if I go too hard, yeah. you know? So is that something you think about? Like, yeah. Do you prepare what you're going to talk no, about on stage or is it just not totally really. organic? I mean, tonight I'm definitely going to say something about gun control because I, I just, it's just like, I, I, I can't, you can't like, you can't ignore it. You can't, you, I mean, it's, 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 it's so prevalent in American culture that I don't really know. Well, with all the incidents lately too. I mean, you just can't avoid it. So uh, there, there needs to be something, and there needs to be some radical change in the way that we view each other. Really, I mean, that's the real. That may, for me, the guns are a symptom of a more difficult problem. I think the mass shootings in America are directly reflective of the culture of which movies and and video oh, games do. do I don't that. think they're started I don't think movies and video games make people do these things but I think our culture and the way that we view individualism individuality mm-hmm. as a real prize as the number one thing you're american and you're going to you know work your ass off and you're going to make it and individual is almost prized over the group right. whereas you know my wife is peruvian they are their whole family unit. Even if you're Hispanic, or if you come from another culture, you have a different look at the way I, we, my, yours is in the family structure. As American, like yeah. Anglo-Saxon Christian, you know, Protestant, whatever, WASPy sort of person, there's a different. There's an emphasis put on uh, individualism, and I think that these lone shooters and these yeah. acts are like. Kind of like living out 
the extreme nature of an individual, like individualists, dystopian sort of revenge on the culture that didn't reward them with what they promised. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't think like I, don't, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. So I think, I think it's yeah. I think, and how I think do you a fix lot of that? I don't know. I don't know how you fix that. A lot of people they don't they don't get that far. A lot of people's like this is what my parents believe, and this is what I've been told my whole life. So that's yeah. how it is. So so much of it isn't maybe it stems from that, but the actual reasons people have and motivations the same way. Like someone might be like, I don't like gay people. Yeah, why? Yeah. Because my dad said, made a slur when I was a kid and they laughed and I, you know, and that was something that now is ingrained in me. But maybe if I took the time to actually, you know, and this, this is the kind of shit that I think is a real problem too. And this is not an American problem, but it's a real problem. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just think that the problem is so deeply ingrained in generations of ignorance that it's, it's such a, that's why. That's why I'm so careful about saying something because it's like I don't necessarily think that if we got rid of the guns, we'd change the problem. That's and that's like we if we got rid of the right. guns, we'd right. minimize the casualties. Right. But there would still be people wanting to do these things. And specifically with yesterday, which is coming out as sort of almost like a um lone sort of terrorist or I could You're talking all. about the California yeah, shooting. Yeah, which is this actually... Will be, this will air in a little, in a little bit, so yeah. people won't know what yesterday was. But yeah, yeah. Um, with what happened in California, that's coming out as more of a actual sort of uh, radicalized is, Islamic sort of um, yeah, slant to it. Yeah, I heard much it. about it. I heard there was slant. three people. You know, there's three two shoot, people. Two they, were, they were married. Um, they were of Muslim faith and nobody married knows like that. a man and a woman yeah they're married i i don't know enough crazy. about it to really crazy. I heard it. They, I, well they, i'm sure when people yeah. hear about this they'll know all these details yeah and we and, don't and know yet. that has more of a islamic slant to it but i think that all of them equally are could be in some way shape or form minimized by regulating guns and i mean these people legally but they're they're already saying they legally bought their weapons their assault rifles they had Thousands and thousands of ammunitions. They had bombs. They they had tactical gear, all accessible, all able to be bought by anybody in America. Yep. And they just used the availability of it to sort of just right. kind of give America the finger. Like, look, we're gonna we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do it legally. Yep. And there's nothing you can do and about why it. Why do people need all that stuff? I I I mean, I don't. I like you said, yep. they're not gonna get rid of the guns. It's never gonna happen. But you got to minimize this stuff. So, do you really need a an assault rifle? Do you really need like bombs and you know like whatever equipment? I'm not a gun guy. I don't know anything about it. But yeah, I mean, uh, this, as far as assault so, rifles go, I mean that's something that just recently could have been stopped. There was a bill that used to be in place that was a ban on assault rifles, which I think two or three years ago was came off the books. It was kind of basically like a, it was repealed and yes, and, that's right. And that sort of has been now everyone can get, you know, it's 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 super difficult for me talking to people who are very much invested in guns or people blindly. Yeah. It's the same thing as talking to people that are blindly invested in religion and have no willingness to respect or understand that there might be a different point of view. I mean, sure. I, I look at it as very much I look at the gun fanaticism very much is just another form of, of fanatical religious sort of like my belief is in my safety and that this yep. gun will present the safety, but the gun represents a false sense of safety because, dude, the reality of being alive is that you can die at any moment. I mean, that's just the, that's just the I mean, we, you just, that's, that's the reality of life. If you start to look at it, there's, 
no way in which we can really stop that. But this gun represents this false sense of safety. And I think a lot of religions represent to people a way in which right. to feel a little bit safer mm-hmm. in this kind of existential existence. No, that's, I mean, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about your, you know, getting political on stage and talking about that stuff, but I find actually on this tour, you've, you kind of let loose up there. You kind of, <laughs> sometimes you're, you're pretty fucking funny yeah. and not serious and yeah. very sarcastic. I think you told the people the other day that we were only going to play songs from our last two records. Yeah. Like, you know, you're, you're willing to joke around and, um, what is that based on? Like, what, you know, because you said, oh, I plan a little bit. What am I going to say? Like, I'm going to talk about gun tro- control tonight. But at the same time, you're going to get up there and you're going to talk about, like, yeah. what, were you, what you were dissing some, uh, you were dissing the Chargers the other night. Chargers. I made fun <laughs> of the, the Cardinals. Right. Uh, I target sports teams that I think have weak fan bases. <laughs> I don't think the Cardinals have a weak fan base. You the St. Louis Cardinals? No, 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 no. Oh, the no, Arizona no, no. Cardinals. Yeah, the Arizona okay. Cardinals. That that could be true. I target fan bases who I feel have weak, like, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the best word for it. Like a, a weak, they'll, they'll fold on their team real easy. They'll, uh-huh. they'll oh, yeah, yeah. team's like, not doing well. Fans. Fair weather, very, yeah. Yeah. So those, those I always like to, like, just give a little jab to. Yeah. Well, hey, you kind of cherry-picked your favorite teams. <laughs> but I was born in Man- I was born in Manhattan. Well, yeah, but you're also a Packers fan. Well, that's because my dad's from bad? Wisconsin. My I guess they were bad for a, few- a little while there. When I was young until until they got Favre. Yeah. So until I was about 12, they were they were terrible. And then they were, you know, they were good with Favre. They went to one they went to two Super Bowls. They lost the second one to the Broncos. And then they were kind of eh, just never really that good once again after that. And then, you know, I mean, yeah, it's been pretty easy to be a Packers. It's it's easy to be a Packers fan. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I like to joke. I mean, I've you know, I, the, the, being more political is kind of a newer thing. So everybody kind of knows me as getting up there and kind of joking around and talking shit. So I like to keep because I mean that's still part of my personality. You know, not everything, in, uh, not every single single thing I think about is serious so mm-hmm. i you know i don't know kind of i don't know i'm sure people find that a little odd that one moment i'm messing around then next minute i'm serious but right. i think that's generally how everyone is that yeah that's true I and mean, you know absolutely that's i don't think you have to true. be i think too also if if everything you're saying up there is like i said so dead serious so it's better to say one meaningful thing and then that gets the sort of oh wow that was meaningful rather than every time yep. you're up there trying to say something it's just like the opposite. If everything you say up there isn't meaningful, is, is anyone really listening? So you got to, I don't know, you got to kind of find like a happy yeah. medium between like, what's the one thing I want people to remember? And, and what can I, you're still up there entertaining people in between the song. I mean, you well, still, that's right. You know, and that's the thing, again, that, that doesn't, I don't think it ever gets lost on me, but some, I guess maybe it does, is, is that at the core of what we're doing is we're out here, we're on a tour bus. Yeah. You know, we're playing a concert, we're selling tickets. People are going there to have fun. Correct. And we are entertainers. Yeah. So that is a big part of our job as lead singers and front man of a band and all that too. And But at the same time, we are people and we have our own beliefs. Mm-hmm. And in your case, you're very vocal about telling people what you think and you want people to take something away from it. Yeah. So it makes sense. Uh, I thought this was interesting. My friend uh, did – I don't know how he, – he's a big fan of your band mm-hmm. and my band. I don't know how he didn't know this, but he didn't know about your coming out and everything. Oh, okay. And he heard you say it on stage, 
And he asked me, he was like, was he like, was he joking? Yeah, I mean, and I was like, what? You yeah. don't know about this? I could hear and, that. And he was like, he was kind of shocked. And I was like, yeah, no, this is like, you know, a year ago, Buddy went on the 100 Words or Less podcast and kind of dropped a fucking bomb on everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, I had no idea. And after like a couple minutes, he's like, that's really cool. Like, that's, wow, that's, that's amazing. And, you know, and I think a lot of people, when they listen to that podcast or then read this, the articles that came out after, um, a lot of people had that reaction. Right? Mm. A lot of people at first were sort of like, that's like, the, the initial reaction is almost to think that's weird mm. at first mm-hmm. because, you, oh, he kept it a secret all this time and those songs and then this, and then you're just like, boom, out with everything. And I, I mean, I, I sent you a Facebook message like yeah, right yeah. away. You know, I, I really wanted you to know that I was supportive of, of you, and I think most of the community was. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, 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 how is that? How is that a year later now after really like really just putting it all out there? Good. I mean, I, I you know, the only negative I get is really from in places that like are online and like just not even real. Like I haven't, I don't really get much pushback from people in any way, shape, or form. It's always been, for the most part, really positive. So yeah. it's, been, it's been a really cool sort of like uh, experience to uh, not have anything negative happen. Because, you know, there's friends of mine that have come out and like their families disown them. And, you know, it, right. I didn't have that story where it's just like, it wasn't difficult. But I also made sure that I was in a position where it wasn't going to be difficult because I don't know if I would have done it. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And most people don't. Like, most that's, people, why, that's why a lot of people take so because, long. And again, I, I hate to harp on the Texas thing, but like, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? If you're a fa- you know, family in Texas, a white family living here, there's a good chance your family would, I don't want to say yeah. disown you, but a lot of people wouldn't be so supportive. And a lot of your friends and your colleagues yeah. and the people you work with, yeah. let's, let's, let's be honest, like you and your band, and we, we work together, yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like a, and we have a very... Uh, we have a great support system in, in that ter- t- kind of work, but it isn't like that for everybody, you know? No, no, exactly. And that's somebody asked me in an interview yesterday, like, well, what's your advice? And mine's like, well, you, you everything's circumstantial. Like, I wouldn't give the same advice to a like, 16-year-old kid yeah. as I would somebody who's 28 and has, you know, a life and is, is you know, not living at the parents' house and isn't in high school. Like, it's a totally different thing. Like, maybe it doesn't make sense for someone who's 16 to come out. Maybe that's, like, a bad... But maybe for some yeah, for, for another kid, maybe it makes sense. Maybe he's got a great family. Maybe he's in an alternative school. Maybe he lives in fucking, you know, Portland or... You know what I mean? Like, and but, it's a different situation as a kid who lives in Alabama. It's, like, totally circumstantial. I don't think ever... Because I think a lot of times people in the community... Sort of just be like, yeah, just do it. Come out, and it's like I don't know. That's that's well, like dangerous. When did I think you that's know? Good. When did you know? Like like when did it? Did you realize like you were different? Oh, I mean, you know, like, the same thing everybody says. Like super young. It's yeah. just you're just contending with like. My thing is super weird because it's not. I don't fit in with a category, a a a, a agreeable category that exists within the community. I identify as queer, but that's really just a term that. It's supposed to identify. It's like an umbrella term, right? For it's like supposed a, to mean like that's what I understand. Fluidity of like you know, like I could be in a relationship with a man, but I'm in a relationship with a woman. But I have a difference because I wouldn't ever want to date a guy, but I've been in sexual situations with a guy. So it's 
It's so super, there's a physical attraction it's there. It's super complicated, yeah. and that's one reason why it never came out. And that's one reason why so many people who do identify don't talk about it. Because if you're not like, if you aren't exclusively gay, yeah, it's sort of difficult to explain to people. Explain to people, yeah. and then yeah. you don't really have a community because there is a community, you know, for you to sort of jump into right. if you if you sort of fit into that mold of I exclusively only like men there is a community you can go in but if you're not that's not your thing there's no you, you going into that community doesn't feel 100% right yeah. it feels like I'm not this isn't I'm not comfortable putting myself in this category yeah. or or being there so it makes it super complicated and like really up until recently there's been no discussion of Sort of the other intricacies of the fluidity of sexuality, of gender, and then that's really the reason why I did come out was to really start a conversation that there is this other section because bisexuality would mean an equal attraction between both sexes, which is a which is absolutely a thing. It's yeah. just not even that's not even me. Like that's not even like. So you're more attracted to women, or yeah. it's just different kind of attraction. Well, it's more of like a because there are people that are that are asexual. There are a lot of people that are asexual that are are not sexually attracted to anyone yet, but they want to be in relationship with people. Right. Um, where yeah, and there's just there's all it's super com. It's just like anything else in the world. It, it's not black and white. It's no. totally gray, and it's very complicated. And there's this a science and a real like great undertaking that can be learned about learning about the ways in which it's very you know it's like sociology i would it's it's gender and sexuality but it's i think it's umbrella over sociology and it's something that's existed for all of humanity it's just you know once the world became increasingly monotheistic it lost its 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 conversation in the world because uh -huh. you know a lot of um, ancient cultures had a much different degree of, of gender fluidity in their in their culture. That's true. In their in their sexuality and their stuff. Their gods were both male and female and, and ambiguous and, and a lot of their um, um, you know local shamanistic leaders and stuff were also to in order to actually be that you were actually they were actually um, ambiguous with their gender and sexuality and all that. It was part of sort of transcending the idea of being human. So it's been around. People, it just went away very much along with the rise of monotheism and stuff. So right. it's something that like people think is new, but is just as ancient as the existence of exactly. humans. Exactly. So, I don't exactly. know. It's um. But um, yeah, no. It's been it's been super. It's been super easy. I haven't really. I had the most trouble in Europe, honestly, which was weird. I thought. I think that's kind of weird too. What what country uh, specifically? UK. I mean, specifically, the most backlash I got of any of talking about it in any way, shape, or form is in the UK. Huh? Not your mainland Europe is super. It was cool. Mainland Europe was uh, Eastern Europe got a little like we don't get it, you know, type thing. But uh. <laughs> but we like your music. But UK was like yo yo yo. They didn't want to hear it. Yeah, I don't know. That's well, hey. Uh, uh, what, one thing I do want to ask you though is, how long have you been with your your uh, wife now? We're getting married. Yeah, your soon, fiance. Yeah. Yeah, you just, say wife. But I'm preparing. You said wife, so I say wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, five years. So when you met her, obviously <laughs> she didn't know you would. It's not something you just come out. Would with know right it. Away, I was like kind of you, one of the. Did you tell her pretty early on? Pretty early on was yeah. was in the relationship. 
What was well, her reaction to it? She was totally cool with it. Yeah, she seems like, I mean, an awesome yeah, person. Yeah, she's, and, you know. And stuff. But I could see that, you know, you'd be a little taken aback, right? So I just, that's, I, mean, I some wanted people, to know that. It depends if, on the, per, you know, it really depends on the person and what their view on. It's all conditional. I mean, everybody's beliefs are conditionally based upon what they've taken in and the way in which they've taken it in. So her background and the way she was raised and what she's seen led her to have something like that not to be startling to her. Whereas right. somebody might be like, oh, what is that? I don't but, Obviously, like when you came out last year and you, you know, aired it all out, what was, did she say, yes, buddy, you should do that? Or was it, yeah, she, you know, like she was, she was, I'm sure she was supportive, but did she say, like, hey, you should, you know, you should do it, or you maybe you don't want to tell them everything, or maybe you should push really, like, get it all out there? Yeah. I'm just kind of wondering what, Absolutely. Her, what she thought and, and how much of her advice you took, or if it was just more for yourself. Yeah. It, affect, it would affect her too. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, she was all for it. She was all into it. She thought, she thought I should definitely do it. I mean, you know, I mean, because really the whole idea is, is to 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 speak to the sixteen-year-old kid who's confused. Who's you know, that's the person yep. I'm trying to, or or at any age really, but that's who this is for. I think for it was for me to do it privately. Yeah, you know that that's probably where I felt the most relief is privately doing it. Publicly, I don't think I got much like. Oh wow, it feels like a weight off my sh- like I could have gone and never told anyone and it really wouldn't have like mm-hmm. changed much but did you have you didn't have any friends that knew or No, I mean no no, no 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 not really. And it's, even then it's still it's still a complicated matter to explain to people that don't have an understanding of like Yeah. Most people just think I'm gay and then they get super weirded out when they see that I'm married and and then it's become this sort of like almost like he's doing it for publicity and it's like whatever. I uh, <laughs> but uh yeah, I, she was su- super supportive, which is one of the only reasons why I could have done it. I mean, you know. And, I guess so. That's why but, I really but, wouldn't advise anyone without a support system. But if you didn't do it, like, yeah. you go back a year or however long it's been, and, like, when did you when did you quit drinking? Around, around that time, right? Or was it before? It was probably maybe, like, eight months before then or oh, something. Oh, it was before. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wonder, like, how much of, of that was affecting you because I know – you know, you, oh, yeah. you're an uh, alcoholic. You, you came right yeah. out with it. You, you know, you're an alcoholic. You drank every day for, what did you say, like 10 years or something? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, how did you, did you just stop one day drinking or did, did you? Oh, no, what, no. What I mean, it was like, a, I, didn't, I didn't, you know, I, and I don't follow the classical mold of the alcoholic either. I, you know, I, I, I would feel kind of uncomfortable going to an, I've been to AA meetings, but I would feel uncomfortable being in an AA meeting because I, I don't have the rock, my rock bottom the one didn't lead me to get sober and two wasn't as rock bottom as you know some of my friends and some people i mean i know people who have rock bottom that aren't sober their lowest point is far surpasses uh my lowest point i just got to a point where it was just like i'm not participating in what's happening in life by doing this um and I was just able to, over a period of seven to eight months, sort of stop doing it. Yeah. You know, and I, I did it, but I did it through, I didn't go to AA, but I'm, I'm a practicing Buddhist and, 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 and I did it through, through meditation. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. And that, and, and, and sort of in that way. So I, I did do, like, I didn't do a specific program per se, but I, I very much was 
reliant upon, you know, a, a higher power. Well, the, there's no higher power in Buddhism. We don't yeah. believe no, in God, but uh, the, a higher power, you know, a yep. vehicle in which to do it. So how, how much uh, do, do you ever miss drinking and like the the camaraderie? Like I see your band drinking, yeah, people yeah, on stage yeah. and like warp yeah. tour. Is it ever a time when you're like, I'd love to have a drink? And, yeah, or, or is it ever like you're like shit? Like yeah, I mean, I'm I getting, just don't, I'm getting close yeah. to the point where you know what? Yeah, maybe I can have a beer. Is that ever like scary to you? Do you feel like that's gonna you know because you, you're you don't drink at all? No, yeah, you, you know you're like you're basically straight edge now. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and it's funny claiming yeah. the term. You're wearing a gorilla biscuit shirt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love it, but uh, um, no, I just wonder like if if you're on warp tour and everyone's like hanging out and you're like yeah like. You know, there's a social aspect, and I just wonder. Yeah, I mean, it makes it it makes it hard for me to hang out. I kind of feel like people might think that I don't want to hang out. It's just like it it's it's different to hang out and drink. It's a different thing. I mean, it's it's hard to hang out when people are drinking, not because I want to drink, just because it's a it's a different social. It's like I don't really know how to explain it. It's just. It's like it's like if you were all participating in a game and you're not participating in, and it's not against anybody. It's just like it's yep. just not, it's just not that you just don't do it. So I find myself not participating in things as much, but I but I've come okay with that, you know. Yeah. I don't. I don't but last night I really wanted to drink, you know. I mean, I just with what happened in California and with visiting, you know, the guys in the Ghost Inside, I was like, man, I could, I could have a drink right now, and. Right. I was thinking about it. You know, and then I'm. So you do think about it sometimes. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't. I don't think you ever don't think about it. Like I don't think it's one of those things people just are like, "Well, I never know." I'm done. I'm. It's not. Yeah. Well, know. my my mother, um, she listens to all my podcasts. Hi, mom. She <laughs> uh, she had a drinking problem, and yeah. she stopped drinking before I was born. And I really, I really always felt my whole life like she. Didn't drink, never thought about drinking. Yeah. You know, I always, but I know that was just that's not the case. Yeah, you know, and um, uh, yeah, it's 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 really it's really a weird thing with that, like addiction and and how much of it is being like keeping yourself away from it, not giving yourself that chance to do it, and that's a lot of a lot more of what it is in some ways of relapsing than. Even the willpower side of it, you yeah. Know, I mean, which... to, to me, to me, addiction stems from self-regulation, which is I've always had issues. I have a like a pretty significant like trauma background. I, I didn't realize yeah. this until recently, but I was in a car accident when I was like five years old um, with my grandpa, who was drinking and driving at the time, and um, I didn't actually had blocked that memory out. Um, I do this specific type of uh, behavioral therapy called somatic experiencing, which is a also, it's 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 not new age at all. It's actually probably one of the most. There's a couple different specific ways in dealing with PTSD. Yeah, talk therapy doesn't work. Um, it actually can exacerbate things um, with people who have like PTSD. Yeah. Um, but these type of they're not even newer. They're just becoming more mainstream ways of dealing with trauma. Actually, help you to discharge the actual trauma that's actually ingrained in your body because of it gets locked in your body you have a traumatic yes. experience you have a visceral physical reaction to traumatic experience and one reason why you continue to have trauma and anxiety is because you haven't actually discharged the event it has nothing to do with mental 
mentally, there's not a lot you can do. You actually have to physically um, work these issues out because they live in the body. Because our so how, how do you mean physical? Like, um, well, you, like what you is, do, what do well, you do? you do like, you know, with, with someone, you'll go into a sort of a meditative process, a mindfulness sort of just taking stock of what's happening in your body. And then through prompts and some other things, you'll start to investigate. Usually when anyone who's got trauma kind of goes inward, introspectively, they'll notice an unease with being in their body because... Mm-hmm there's still this tension and this trauma there. So you start to pay attention to where that, that tension's coming from. And, you just, and you're, you're sort of prompted, you know, where do you feel this tension? You start to notice that along with anxiety and other things, you have you know, real physical reactions. And then right. one super interesting thing that happens is you sort of mentally allow the body to move. And I'm not saying it happens, it's not like a mystical thing but what your body will do given the mental action of you know how would you like to mentally respond or uh, physically respond to this mental image you're having in your mind and your body will sometimes do things like this or or like these these responses that are actually responses that one you know for instance one of the things that i did was i had a response where i put my hands up to block my head because and i didn't know this is it like the car accident yeah yeah hitting my head on the dashboard like that yes because one times when in the sessions i'll feel this massive like like if you just get knocked in the face and your sinuses get all cleared i'll have that sensation and then these sort of like hand movements right and um yeah, it it wow. uh, do, through that kind of therapy, I've been able to discharge a lot of the trauma and then gain tools through meditation in order to self-regulate. Therefore, I don't have to drink. Okay. Because all addiction to me is based upon most people that are addicted are self, trying to self-regulate some type of adverse, unpleasant sensation. Yeah. I think you're right about that. The um, so okay. I just have to ask you though. That, so that you don't you didn't remember the car accident at all no, happening to you? No, I don't even know if it's you, real. You don't know if it's real. I have no idea. But, but it but feels wouldn't real. Your, wouldn't your family know? I've asked my family, but it's one of those things that I don't know if he would have told anyone. Like I could have seen my grandpa. Like oh. I have these vivid memories of him with blood all over his face and being at the hospital. But my grandparents took care of us. My parents were both on soap operas and they worked long hours. So we, my grandparents lived with us so that they could help facilitate taking care of us when my parents would be working. Yeah. And I could totally see him. It's wild, man. Covering it's, it up. Yeah. Or, I it's mean, crazy. And, you know, you know I'm, start, I'm starting to think, like, how, how prevalent this is. Not just for myself. Like, yeah. how, do I have repressed memories? Do I have things, you know, there's... I don't know. Maybe everybody yeah. does. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot that happens in your early childhood development that greatly shapes your your yeah. your ability to handle stress, to handle mm-hmm. various situations. Um, and there's just certain things that I think happened to me that interrupted that, which, you know, predisposes me to, one, having more traumatic experiences, and then, two, being interested in substances and different ways in which I can kind of regulate my nervous system yeah and and you know when you get into an accident i mean and and that's the thing is like it that 
feels really real, like it really happened. But I don't. I, I still can't one hundred percent trust that it happened. Right, that's crazy. Which makes that's it super so, weird. So weird because yeah. it's like I can't one hundred percent trust it. But I know that after I've had that experience, yeah, I have significantly less anxiety and more ability to deal with. Like three right. three years ago, had I gone and visited Ghost Inside and then had taken in what happened in California, I would have been super destabilized and been really upset and you know would have had a really tough time just sort of existing in my own skin because it, it just gives this sense this reminder that life is super fragile and when you have that a nervous system that's not able to self-regulate and sort of center you those kind of existential thoughts can really pull you in a bunch of different directions right. yeah Whew. well <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh, that's I don't know. It's I've I've I can honestly say I haven't really had this kind of a discussion with someone. I'm enjoying this. Yeah, yeah. It's super. It's um, super interesting too because so, it's soon. It's so new. It's 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 very much a one of those pseudoscience things because what they're finding though is they're they're finding that with all the people coming back from war that have PTSD, none of what none of the talk therapy is working because bringing up the instances of trauma just evoke the physical sensations. Yes. And if you don't have a way in which to reintegrate them into a body that can deal with them, you never discharge it. It stays on this like negative it's feedback totally loop. Totally makes sense. And they're really bringing these things to the forefront because there's a couple other similar um, body sort of... S s Behavioral so, sort of things. So b before you, you know, understood this trauma and you were drinking and all this stuff, and you, you know, with obviously with your band, uh, you're the only original member. Yeah. And obviously, you had a lot of people come and go over yeah, the years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how much of that do you think was related to you, your personality, drinking, all that stuff? Do you think that? I don't do you, know. Do you think Maybe. that that's a big, big part yeah, of it? Yeah, probably. I mean, there's. You I ever, mean, you never, you never thought about no, that? No, no, I've thought about it, but I would say. There's partially to that, but I would also say that it was, I mean, it was probably to success and money and also like the grind of just being in a band. I mean, yeah. but then, but then like, I don't know. I'd have to ask them for an honest opinion, really. <laughs> well, that's I don't true. Know, you know what I mean? Like, that's true. Well, I'll, I'll hunt down all of them <laughs> yeah. and ask them all you whatever know? it is. 12, I, mean, well, you know, <laughs> I don't know how many members you know, of your band you've had. I could say a couple of them maybe, but then others, you know, were just like, I'm quitting and I'm going to start a family and be an electrician. Or yeah. one of them's like, I'm quitting, I'm going to go back to school and now works at Goldman Sachs. Right. So it's like, maybe I was a partial motivator in that. Right, um, sure. But I also think that their wishes to go a different direction were also probably their real motivating factor. I think you're probably right. Yeah. It's just something I wondered if, yeah, if I don't any, know. you know, you had any like... Oh, you know, buddies like being an asshole. He's drunk again, and like I mean, I've I was never like that. Like I was never that drunk guy that did things, broke things. I never knew you as that guy. Either. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I was more like I'm drinking because I. If I don't drink, I'm gonna have a panic attack and I'm gonna go to the hospital. Right. So the only way in which that I can like function in everyday life is to take some sort of, either it's a pill or it's alcohol or you yeah. know we you know that that was that was my thing so I, that's why i never like said i say i said earlier i never felt comfortable I, I have a hard time saying i'm an alcoholic because not that i don't want to but i just i i, I feel like other people would fight me on that you know yeah I, saying, I well you're, you're saying. not really an alcoholic i mean when yeah but you can't before you i was gonna say this earlier and i didn't it's like you, you kind of downplayed 
your own rock bottom being like well my rock bottom isn't rock bottom enough to be yeah, considered yeah. rock bottom you can't do that though no i know everybody's you can't do that. I know, I know, I know. definition of what is but when you, you know, go to an aa meeting it's kind of like can be at times a pissing match of yeah of who's well, that they of say that is not for everybody no i mean everybody's you know everybody's, everybody's different. Different. also i don't believe in god so aa was would be would would be difficult for me to yeah i know that that's also a big part of it um Back to the back to your band though, and and all that stuff. Um, when you're playing the songs, like, do you ever look over at like Matt and <laughs> and be like, oh, Garrett's not there, or like, yeah, yeah, or like, you know, you play Buried Alive, and it's like, oh, yeah, I remember when uh, Dave used to stand over there. Yeah, it's do you super think weird. about is it super weird kind of being in it alone now, but still playing those songs? And does that ever feel? Yeah, I mean, I, I still talk to him. I'm the business manager for the band, so I pay everybody out royalties and everything. Oh, yeah. So I, I still communicate with everyone on like a, you know, a, a quarterly basis to sort of be like, here's your money and blah, 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 and here's what we recouped on. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's I, cool. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's weird, but it's not. I really don't consider it the same band. I would have changed the name, but then that's like, you know, if, 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 well, you're into what you're gonna. If, well, you, if still wanna, but you still want to play the same song. If Coca-Cola has a different CEO, they don't change the name of Co. It's they're still selling that's the true. same. Yeah, how thing. many how many original members of Coca-Cola are left? Yeah, you know that's <laughs> what I mean. I don't want to liken the band to a corporation, but well, technically, it is a corporation. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Probably right. Yeah, it's like, so, it is a corporation. Yeah, Maso was my band. Like, but it's of like it's, you know, it's like people are always like change the name, and I'm like, but that's so stupid because it's like. The band has been a band which has a name which instills some sort of thought about what is going to be used, what is going to be played, and we're still playing those songs. I'm not opposed to playing. I'm not like, it's not like I'm like Morrissey and I don't really want to play Smith songs, you know, and I'm not trying yeah. to keep the Smiths together. It's like I'm in Census Fail and I'm still playing all of the Census Fail songs. So, yeah, that's a little weird. It's weird. I mean, I mean you guys have only had one different member. I mean, that's crazy. I guess so. Think about everybody else. I mean, I know. I, everybody. I mean, Take It Back Sunday went a whole new lineup, and then they brought those guys back. Yeah, like, it was wild. That's crazy. Brand New is probably the only other band that I know that's like, yeah, maybe Jimmy I, World. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to think of, of that many bands that have been yeah. going. I mean, like, you think of something like maybe like No Effects has been the same members for like, since like Most the early 90s. It, yeah. Yeah, but you, pretty much every other band. No, it's very rare. It's very rare. Yeah. So I mean, and and I think it's, I think it's good for our band and for like the way we've been able to grow musically and stuff with having the same people, um, because it is it can be hard when you bring somebody in they have a different vision. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, um, but with Sisters Fail, you guys have to grow as people, and you have to grow as a person, mm. and your music is going to change. Yeah. And your belief system is going to change, and. All this stuff that, you know, in the last year has happened to you, it's going to change not only what you're doing musically, but also with uh, what you're trying to say. Mm. And you're playing a lot of guitar. What's up with that? You're yeah, like, I mean, you're, I wrote you're, the... Oh, you're like, yeah. I see you every day. You're <laughs> yeah. like ripping on that Les Paul. I wrote a lot of the last record because I was like, oh, fuck, what are we going to do? You know, like... Well, you feel like... I mean, probably... I, I mean, I think it was Garrett that wrote... was kind of Garrett the, wrote the, everything, The musical really. leader. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was and the now guy. he's gone, and now yeah. it's like, well, you're going to have to fill those shoes. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm just always working on songs or just riffs. I mean, and... Uh, have you always been a guitar player? I mean, yeah. I mean, when the band first started, I played and sang guitar, and then... Oh, yeah. I didn't want to... I wasn't a good guitar player enough to, like, 
take on the role of doing both. Like, mm-hmm. I could have. And if I had stuck with it, I mean, obviously, I would have, you know, grown into it. But I think I was like, I'm not a great singer and I'm not a great guitar player. I got to pick one. And it was, uh, we're like, well, you can sing, so why don't you sing? We'll find another guitar player. That there was also back in those days too. You the typical band, like it was always a standalone singer. Yeah, you didn't. There do weren't the, yeah. like if it was a you know like a whatever the hell we music we were making. Yeah, yeah. Which I want to talk about that too. Actually, might as well talk about it right now. <laughs> um, I remember when I first heard of your band. Uh, it was through this guy. I think his name was David from like ECA Records or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he sort of hit us up, said, "Hey, I really like you guys." Um, you know, I want to sign you kind of thing. And he, he's like, oh, we have, we have this other band called census fail. So I heard your guys stuff and I thought that's crazy how similar yeah. we sound being from different geographical locations. And pretty much at that time, there weren't really a lot of bands doing what we were doing, like singing and screaming, but having also like poppy melodies, but still having heavy, but you know, like, the, like, so I always thought it was interesting how, we grew up probably like, you know, you were younger and like listened to metal. Yeah. And then got into punk rock, mm-hmm. Green Day, Offspring, yeah, yeah. No Effects, Bad Religion. And then, you know, you heard all like the emo bands and kind of mishmashed it together. Yeah. And I think it's so crazy how we like came to the same conclusion. Yeah. I mean, there weren't, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, there was only so many bands. There was like Grade and Thursday. And then there were like the Screamo Screamo bands playing the more obscure sort of. I think Thursday was the band that brought it all together with me, and then we were like, okay, well, I like the way Thursday mixed in the screaming and the poppiness, but I like pop punk, no effects type stuff, so I want to mix in some of the faster stuff like that, and I like metal, yeah. so it was like, okay, well, let's take like what Thursday's doing, mix it with like Saves the Day, and then some of the metal influences, and I guess right. you just had the same idea. I mean, that, we, but that's how we it, did, oh, except Thursday wasn't an influence for well, us, yeah, because, because I guess because Thursday was, was so a big New Jersey, yeah, right. yeah. and for us, Grade, grade is from yeah, yeah. our hometown, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that was more our side, but I just thought, I remember yeah. hearing your band for the first time and being like, huh. Yeah, I thought what we were doing was kind of unique, but yeah. apparently people are doing it all over yeah. the the fucking continent. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I um, it's pretty. It I was, love it that. Pretty, pretty. Yeah, it was, that's what happens though. I mean, that's kind of like that's kind of how things movements always work. You know, they don't. They're not isolated. They're kind of they're a movement because everybody's kind of picking it up all at once with from at yep. different points all over the place. I mean, now I can't imagine if you. Right now, it's probably much more calculated. I mean, it was just when the internet started, so it really wasn't like you're like basing your. You only have so many bands to base your sound off of. <laughs> you know? Well, it's true, but that that's a, that's something that isn't a thing anymore. It no. Used to be there used to be regional sounds like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Long Island had a fucking sound. Yeah, yeah. Even Toronto, even where we live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a lot of the Boys Night Out, Monine, yeah, yeah. our band, Grade, Alexis on Fire. There was a similar sort of sound. Sound. You know, we weren't the same band, but, you know, Brand New and Take Max Sunny are the same band. No. But you can hear something in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't happen yeah. anymore. You hear yeah. something and you're like, that could be from anywhere. They're yeah. probably from just from Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned the, that you're the business guy in the band. Yeah. Uh, how, how long have you been doing that? Well, I've been the business manager for only a couple, like about a month. But, I mean, I've done, I mean, I've been the manager for like, Two years. When did you decide, like, fuck it? Like, I mean, your your email address is literally yeah. fuckmanagement.com. So, yeah. I mean, I worked in I worked at Vagrant for a number of years, and I managed 
a bunch of bands. I managed Major League, and I managed Story So Far, and I managed this band called Somos, and I managed Chunk Captain No Chunk, and I managed, you know, I got way into managing, and I managed a bunch of bands. Um, and uh, I worked at Vagrant doing production and then also doing some A&R stuff with another yep. label, and I was going down the music industry route. Um, and then yep. I just sort of decided I didn't like it. And then I took all the experience I learned from that and just said, well, I can manage the band now. I mean, I, I have the contacts. I understand. I've, I've done it. I can, I can do it. I just, yep. I don't need a manager to um, facilitate it anymore. So it's kind of a, just a, a timely decision that was based upon also money, too, because it's like diminishing returns being in a band. You have to make certain sacrifices in order to continue to be a band. And the bands that don't make those sacrifices usually break up because they're not willing to make the sacrifices or don't have the ability to do so, i.e. like cutting their people that work for them down, basically not taking on management commission right. or business management commission or, you know, not caring. You know, so it's like those were decisions to be like, well, right. initially, how, yeah. How are we going to keep Censusville going? Yeah. What, like, it's almost like, I hate to use the Coca-Cola reference again, yeah. but, like, you have to make, sometimes you have to make cutbacks. Yeah. You know, and you have to figure out those, where yeah. to continue to still make your product. I mean, you take 20%, <laughs> you, you take you take out the 20% you owe a man, or 15% you owe a manager at the end of a tour for just your guarantees. I mean, and you're saving thousands of dollars that are either going to go back into the members' pockets and or or just back into the business that's going to keep it healthy. So it's like, yeah. at some point, if you're willing to, it's, a, I think, a good idea to go without a manager. Well, if you have someone in the band that is willing to take it on or split well, that's, it up. Well, I mean, that's our band, too. Yeah, Paul yeah, and yeah, I yeah. pretty much manage the band. We yeah. pretty much always have. We've had managers, managers come yes, in yes. as kind of like figureheads a little bit and, and help us out, make calls we need to make. But I think... If you can be self-managed or do a majority of it yourself, you're better off because you understand what you're trying to do. And it's just better. Like, yeah, it's so annoying. Like, okay, I want to get a t-shirt design done, right? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to – instead of just telling the t-shirt designer what I want the t-shirt to look like, I have to tell a manager and then the manager has to tell him. It's like sometimes it's just stupid. No, it is. It is. And, and, then, and, then, then, and then when you don't use a manager for that, you end up going, well, why do we have this guy? And we're giving him literally That's right. 15% of all the profits, which... Or sometimes it's like 15% off the top. Y yeah, which yeah. Is and, like then, and then you mix that in with a business manager if you have one and you're giving away yeah. 20%. And that's, yep. you know, that can be a significant amount of money. And uh, really, if you're willing to, like I said, you can, you can take it all on. And I mean, I've had enough experience both from the band but then also from the business side of it yeah that i have a lot of contacts and ability to you know make the calls i need to make and and have conversations with people that know me not just from being in a band so so you said like you were you know going down the business route yeah. and working for vagrant was there ever a decision to break up the band oh yeah i mean now that was kind of the plan was like you were going to break up the band yeah or just like we severely slowed down for a couple of years there just because it was just like, well, I need to figure out what I'm going to do. Like, how? what am I going to do? Because the band is going to end. And what am I going to do with my life? Were you scared to go it alone because you knew members were going to leave and stuff? Like, was that scary for you too? Yeah, I mean, because it was like, well, what are we going to do? What kind of music are we going to make? Are we, you know, what? This is, you kind of look at it as like, okay, well, increasingly each record we put out is going to be less successful. 
<laughs> you know, how do we... That's just the music industry yeah, right now. So how do we, like, what do we do? How does it work? What do we, you know, how do we make this model work? And I'm like, there's no way. I, got, I have to have another job. Yeah. And, and I, I wasn't managing the band then. And I wasn't business managing right. the band. So, you know, I couldn't live off of the salary that I was just paying myself from touring every so often. I was like, I need something else. So it was kind of like, okay, well, we're just, I'm going to go, we'll, we'll do the band every now and then and like really maybe not put out new music and kind of like, you know, break it up and I'll be a manager and I'll work for a label. And that yeah. was the like idea. And I did that for a while and I didn't, I don't really like the music industry. I don't, I don't really like it. Is it also, <laughs> is it also hard? Like not having the creative outlet, like you probably must need that too. To, like yeah, to have yes, to, yes and I no. Mean, now, the reason yeah. I'm bringing this up is because now it's very important for you to be vocal. Yes. It's very important for you to, to put your message out there. And if you're yeah. Buddy Nielsen, Vagrant A&R, yeah, yeah. your message isn't quite going, X sense no, of fail, no, it's no, not no. quite going as far as when you're on stage touring, putting it out there. So is that was that a, another part of it too? No, no, because I really wasn't even a part of it then. Like I was just, I just really didn't like working in the music industry. I thought that yeah. the, the model of how to be successful really entails using bands yeah, in a way that, I don't know, I just can't do, I, I'm not a liar. I can't lie. And you have to lie to be in the, you have to lie to be in the business. It's all about selling something, a band to someone else in a way that makes them look bigger, more important, better than they are. And I'm not, I was never good at that. I'd always be super realistic. And like, mm -hmm. I would never make, you know, and like I had some bands taken from me from some other managers, and I just didn't want to play the game. Like I didn't, I didn't want to play yeah. the whole fucking. I mean, I run a record label, so I know yeah, all yeah. about that. I didn't want and to play I, the game. And, and honestly, some people like might know about my record label, Verna Records, uh, and I put, I you know, put up, put a Counterparts record yeah, yeah, yeah. out, and I put out Band Dead and Divine. But it was the same thing. I'd have. The, the bands wanted to go to a bigger label, mm -hmm. and I wasn't going to say no, so I yeah. let them all go. I, you know, I started it because I was like, hey, I want to take a local band, and I want them to be successful, and I want to help them get there. Yeah. I want to get their CD in a store. Well, guess what? There's no CDs in stores no, anymore. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, so there's so little, much little, like, less I can do for a band now that I, I'm the same way. I kind of, like, I'm still involved in, in some things, yeah. but at the same time, I had to get out in that same way. Like you said, playing the game can really suck sometimes. Yeah, I didn't really want to play the game. I mean, the game would entitle me to, like, you know, steal bands from people and, like, lie yeah. and tell them yeah. I'm going to do, I'm going to get your band. And I, don't, I know the We're reality. We're going to get you on the radio. And I know the reality is, like, I, I'm actually not responsible for your band's success. Luck, timing, and your commitment to, like, continuing to do this until it's successful. Yeah. And the quality of your music and what you put into it is what's going to... Can, I can only manage what there is to me. I can only manage success. And that's the right. thing that I would say is like, I can't make you successful. I can only manage your success. Uh, um, how come you guys, how come you guys went to Pure Noise instead of just doing, like doing it on your own? I didn't want to take the financial risk and I didn't have any capital. And I think it's important now more than ever to be a part of something. Because yeah. there's so much like floating in the ether yeah, of that's true. music that I think it's sort is of it, important to is be. Is it tough though with, to be associated with Pure Noise now? Like, there's been some shit going down. And yeah, like, but I, I I back Jake, and I know people. Like, I back Jake too. I back actually. him hard, I, but, and, but I I don't know what happened. I, don't know I think that he handled it in in a, a, a sort of a bad way. But I think he was just sort of taken aback and didn't really know how to respond. He'd never been in a situation like that. Mm -hmm. 
you know, between the no good news stuff and the front porch steps, I mean, the front porch step stuff he dealt with in a, in a way that I thought was admirable by willing to basically, he never was, he never had any intention to put out any more music by him, but he didn't want to abandon the kid and he wanted, he wanted to pay for his therapy. Right. Which I thought was a pretty admirable thing in the music business to, obviously the kid's dead weight. Yeah. Just drop him, but he financed him to, you know, go and obviously attempt to deal with his issues, which the kid didn't want to, and then management and booking, you know, everybody decided to do something else, and he was like, well, I'm fucking out. So I respected that about him, and then with the no good news stuff, uh, you know, uh, he got sort of sold a bill of goods that wasn't, you know, sort of told that what the kid did and why he did it and how he did it was all resolved and done, and, you know, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I yeah. if I was... You know, he was told something that wasn't true, and he signed the band not in spite of it, but because he was told like he was not told the truth. Yeah. So I think he was put in a position where it's like he just had two back to back really difficult things to deal with, and he didn't exactly handle them in the best way. But then again, like if you're gonna hate on Pure Noise, you gotta hate on Epitaph because they fucking are home to falling in reverse, you know, and you mm-hmm. gotta hate on. I, I I think it's pure noise. Yeah, I think, pure noise I got think it the because they're that, a little more accessible. I, I think to, the problem that a lot of people had with was kind of the way that they went about the damage control. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't and, it wasn't great. Yeah, but and that, that's, that's yeah. kind of that's what I wanted to ask you about because yeah. I don't think you really ever talked about it. You know, and uh, no, I don't really talk about it because I don't know if there's much for me to say because honestly, like, you know, pure noise. What a label is to a band is a bank. I mean, it's it's not this. It's not like people don't really have the idea. I think people have this idea that a label people romanticize that that yeah. side of it. They but, want yeah. oh all the bands on the same label. They're all friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they all yeah. hang out. You yeah. know, and and the label wants that too. People yeah. always say, "Welcome to the Victory Records family." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah which yeah. like family? Yeah. How yeah, many yeah. Victory bands took us on tour? Yeah. They didn't want to help the family. Exactly, and like it's it's just I don't. I mean, I have a great relationship with Jake, but like mm-hmm. I'm not. You know. Pure Noise is, is, is a label that financed the... I look at it this way. If Pure Noise is financing me to do and say what I'm doing, then I think that at their heart, they're wanting and doing good things. Whereas I think people make mistakes. I think he made a mistake in which he never dealt with a situation like that. And, and a lot of other labels, I don't think would have dealt with it that great either. And I think that you'll never see it happen again from him. Right. I, I mean, he's I, learned you know, his lesson, I guess you're trying to say. Learned the lesson of just like vetting the people you're signing to a yeah. degree. And then also like how to respond and when to respond to these accusations. And just sort of like, if there are accusations, you don't wait to respond and you respond right away with whatever you're going to respond with. You know, yeah. you either respond in the way Connor Oberst did or you respond in like, yeah, these are factual, these are true and we don't support this band. Like, right. You, you have two responses. Those well, are your two responses. Yeah. And well, really, I mean, non-response is almost as bad as... Actually, it's worse than anything, I think. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. A couple more things I want to ask you. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to ask you a little bit about the old days. And, yeah. And, like, when we did that tour 11 years ago, and, you know, Indy was your tour manager, yeah. and you had, like, Dave Miller, and... Yep. and, and How old was Dan, like, at that moment? How... Like, how... You guys uh, were so young. He was, um, what was that, 2005? 2004. 2004. So he was, 
17. <laughs> yeah. Hey, like, you guys get out there. Actually, you did the tour in a van, which yeah. is kind of admirable because you oh, probably yeah. didn't have to at that time. Yeah. But um, the funniest thing I remember was you guys actually made sticky passes that were pink that said ass pass on them. Do you remember that? No. You don't remember? <laughs> No, that sounds terrible. It was terrible. That's, I mean, you know, we but it did, was the, it was the we funniest. did some horrible things back then. Uh, I couldn't believe. We probably that never existed. used them for the name, but I just remember one girl being like, "Well, I have an ass pass," so I'm of like, "What is that?" Oh my god! <laughs> but um, we got well. We were on tour with brand new indie kicked us out of the venue, and we weren't allowed to be in the venue unless we were playing. Indie was tour managing yeah, brand new. Brand new. <laughs> And uh, they wouldn't let us. I don't even remember why. I don't know. We fucking might have trashed the dressing room, or I don't know. We did something fucking stupid, or who knows? We 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 were terrible people back then. So, but I don't even remember exactly why. But Indy was just like, "That's it. You guys are done. The rest of the tour, you can't use the dressing room. You're not allowed in the venue unless you're here to play." So, and then we hired him because we were like, all right, cool. He gets it. We're like, okay. All right, we need someone like that around. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was actually, to be honest, he was kind of a dick to us. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what was his role. I mean, that's like his. And and I I would, I'll be honest, like back then, I never really had a problem with you. Um, I didn't really like Garrett very much. And I fucking hated Indy. Like I, I, I really, no, like, was, really hated him, and then yeah. actually we almost hired him like yeah. a few years later too. That's what I mean. Because we, we grew I hated up and him we realized. too. I hated him too on the brand new tour. I'm like, this guy sucks. Like, he's an asshole. And we're like, okay, we should hire him. <laughs> That's just yeah. Because you're like, oh, okay. Well, if we're in a position where we need someone to be an asshole and like run the tour and make sure that nobody's doing anything wrong or, you know. Sometimes you need a guy like that. That's you know? what he was. And that's what he was good, he was good at. All right, buddy. Well, hey, anything else, uh, <laughs> anything else you want to... I forgot about that. The ass, the ass passes. That's so Do you terrible. actually remember it now, or you don't, don't have no idea? Now I remember it. I just, I just can't believe, like, I would never even do that now. I, that wouldn't even be tolerable. I would kill a band if they did that now. Isn't that amazing, though, how much things have changed in, like... But that's good. I mean, no, but that's, like, dude, that it was... That, absolutely is That good. was, like, that absolutely long ago good. that it would have been okay to do that, and you wouldn't... I mean, the only person... I mean, Anti-Flag would have probably yelled at me, and that's where, like, I learned a lot of stuff from from them being, like, yelling at me and being like, dude, you can't do that. And I'd be like, why? <laughs> it's funny. And they're like, no, you can't do that. And I'd be like, okay, you're right, okay. All right, I learned a lesson from from them. But now I feel like there's no one, like... I, like, respected Anti-Flag and respected other bands when they told me I was doing something stupid. I'd be like, oh, yeah, you're right. That is shitty. I didn't think about that. You're right. Because I'm 18, and I... And now do you feel like you need to be yeah, but th- that th- generation? Yeah, the but the problem is nobody is responsive, whereas, like, I was somewhat responsive when... You know, older people were like, yo, that's that's lame. That's stupid. And I'm like, oh, yeah. You're right. right. That is dumb. <laughs> I still think you have to, we have to try. Yeah, you, you know, got to try. To, like, at least show people the ropes and do things I'm the not, right I'm way. I'm not saying and... that I'm not at fault. That's the thing is I made mistakes. And so I can actually help help you not make the same mistakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Absolutely, man. So, yeah, man. Thank you. Well, hey, thanks for coming on yeah. Lead Singer Syndrome. And, uh... I would love to do a part two sometime. Absolutely. I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface. (laughs) Yeah, there's plenty more. And uh, Texas will be fun tonight. Yeah. And uh, 
Thanks a lot for doing yeah, this. Yeah, man. Thanks you. So there it is. I did a Google search for the ass pass. Uh, I could not find an image of it. <laughs> <laughs> but I swear that was real a pink sticky backstage pass that said ass pass on it with an outline of a woman <laughs> it is amazing how much times change and how much people change and it was really great to talk to Buddy and uh, it's great that he's doing so well after uh, what must have been very difficult uh, to come out with all that last year oh and Fall Out Boy Fall Out Boy never had any member changes there you go there's, an, there's a great example of that can't believe I didn't think of that at the time so next week Monday morning, we'll have a new episode. It's going to be a doozy, another great one. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just loving doing this, and I hope you guys are enjoying listening to it. Thank you so much for all the support. Please, again, check us out on the social medias, uh, leadsingersyndrome.com, all that stuff, and check out that Amazon link. Uh, it's just leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. If you're going to buy anything on Amazon at all, ever, uh, electronics to diapers to guitar strings to whatever else, I think they have everything on there. Please, it really will, will help us out and help uh, the show to pay for some of these expenses for launching it. So thank you very much. Until next week, my name is Shane. This is Lead Singer Syndrome. I'll leave you with a classic census fail track. This is Buried a Lie. <laughs>